Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. here in the podcast studio ready for another movie breakdown what is it pat give it to the kids 16 candles 16 oh fuck give our housekeeping give our shit first before we go into what we're doing my bad i was about to say something (laughs) (laughs) vicarious living pod at gmail.com and vicarious living podcast on instagram slide in also, go to Wicklowware.com, type in the promo code VL when you're checking out buying any Wicklowware gear. Michael H., one of our key listeners, did that this week. He reached out. He bought a t-shirt and a fleece, so he said, we'll see if he follows through, and put in the promo code. Got the deals. Deals. Um, okay, so first and foremost, before we get into 16 Candles, I had a real groundbreaking moment this weekend you did yeah you broke ground i broke ground with one of the most influential people of our lives do tell well you know about this actually i know i'm just being dramatic take a look oh yeah so right now for the kids what i'm doing is i'm showing pat a picture of myself wind and anna from hr with a legend Ryan Atwood, Ben Buttons McKenzie, we fucking met him. Dude, and just in case people think you're BSing right now on the pod, I'm looking at a... 8x10. A glossy 8x10 of you, Anna from HR, and Ben McKenzie from the OC. So, had a lot of takeaways. First off, I gotta give the context to how this happened. So, Previous guests on this pod, Ben Jay, sent a uh, text message out to all of us and he said, hey, Ben Buttons McKenzie is going to be in Cincinnati at Cincy Comic Con this weekend. That's a hot tip. That is about as hot of a tip as it gets. That's a good fan and a good friend. I mean, if he... Just in on a hot tip. I wouldn't have even known about that because when am I ever going to look up like the Comic Con like list? Yeah, in Cincinnati, like I'm, I don't know who the guest list is. I'm never gonna look that up. So when he sent it, I took all my weekend plans, I put them completely on the back burner. I paid the seventy five dollars to get the professional photo op, paid the twenty dollars for parking, paid the twenty five dollars to get into the fucking place, and met the shit out of him. So met him, dude. Met him so fucking hard. Unfortunately, I was in, out of town. I almost canceled an entire family vacation. Yeah, that's that's why you on Instagram you won't see Pat in the picture because uh, he totally fucking puts family first over over the teens. <laughs> and by the way, I will say um, you and Anna both have like way more natural smiles than him in that picture, and he's an actor from Hollywood. Yeah, which so is kind of insane to me. Just to break this photo down. I obviously had high expectations. Yeah, what was, what was he like? I just literally picture him like Ryan from the OC, which is kind of awkward. So there was maybe like 20 people. Quiet. Yeah. 
he was a little quiet. Honestly, what I my vibe of him was he was like ultra autopilot mode. Right. Like I've done this a million times. I'm the only way for me to live my life is to not focus or pay attention to any of these exchanges I have with all these random fans that I'll never see again the rest of my life. So I go on autopilot mode. I don't register anything. And then when it's all said and done, I leave here and go back to my life. So we all got in line. There was maybe only like 20 people in line. I thought it was going to be. So it, so like at 1.30, the, the queue started. <clears throat> yeah, the line? setup was that him and his wife, that Morena girl, who's the wife in um, Deadpool. Right. And the wife in Homeland. She is his girlfriend in real life. They're both in the show Gotham together. So they did this thing where like you get in line at one and then they do pictures with the two of them for like a hundred bucks and then she leaves and it's just solo pictures with him for 75. That's so weird. I mean, obviously I'm going to let you keep going on because I need to know what he's like, but do you think it's part of their contract? Like when you're on a show, like you have to go do that or is it like three grand out of it? I think it's probably part of their contract that they have to do shit like that. And I do think they get probably percentages of it. Right. Because you think they're financially stable enough that it's like of anything they could do on their weekend. Flying to Cincinnati to take a bunch of pictures with like sweaty handed strangers at Comic-Con. Yeah. So I would be low on the list. I think it's it's something they have to do. It's nice for them that they're both like dating on the same show together so they can at least go together so it's like oh we have to fly to fucking cincinnati this weekend for god they're probably so pissed so pissed i mean no disrespect to cincinnati obviously i love it but like i mean they're pissed come on guys i'm assuming they're pissed (laughs) they're so pissed and the vibe i was getting was that they were not totally ecstatic being there that was the vibe i got so we wait in line they do all the pictures together with people then they close the curtain And she leaves. She, like, walks away, stands in the back, puts a coat on, and then stands in the back. And then Ryan Atwood goes over and just douses his hands with hand sanitizer. (laughs) Like, just, it's, it's at least a half a gallon of hand sanitizer that he puts on his hands after he meets and shakes hands with the first crop of Cincinnati Comic Con people. Then it gets to, then it gets to us eventually... And dude, it was like a blur, you know? It's like I've had this guy on the on the big screen, on the small screen, in my head for years and years, and finally I'm staring right right at him. And I had a couple things cocked and loaded. Like I was gonna say, like I was gonna try and be like a cool fan and not bring up like the OC. I was gonna be like, Damn, it sucks, man. I hope you get to watch the football after this. You're recording the games. I, I had something like that. <laughs> Like, just going out on a limb that he watches the NFL. Which there's a five percent chance that he I don't think he does, either. yeah. Um but so I go in there, he I go in first, he shakes my hand, he's like, Hey, how's it going? I say, How's it going? And then that was it. That was the only interaction. And then Anna comes in after me and had the most awkward do we handshake or not exchange with him, like of all time. Like she goes out to shake his hand like I did. And he wasn't reciprocating. And then like a a half second or so passed and it was like, oh, wait, oh. And then he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll shake your hand too. And Mm. it just weirded the shit out of her. Like she was really weirded out in the moment that fucked up. Like he fumbled that exchange. 
with right. a female so bad? Because you think like he'd be smooth. He'd be smooth as shit. Like just he, shaking people's hands. And then uh, yeah, we took the picture and then said thank you, and that was it. I would say the exchange took under twenty five total seconds, maybe fifteen. Nice. But then at when we were going after we walked out. I guess the line and ended, we were waiting like at this other booth to get the picture code or whatever. And him and that Marina girl, they just organically walk right by us in the doorway, just at Comic-Con to like go get food or something. They're just walking, milling about with the other... They didn't get swarmed? Civilians. (laughs) They didn't get swarmed at all. They didn't get whisked away by the Secret Service? And so the last thing I'll say about this and... Yeah, I'll only spend like 37 more minutes on my interaction with him. Was his girlfriend, Marina, one of the most attractive people I've ever seen? She popped in, in real life. Oh my God. You, you know her, right? And big she, fan. I'm a big fan. Oh God, dude. She was unreal. Fuck. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I was I was a little shocked. He was like smaller. Was there any charisma? Like, no, he, like if you, the like, vibe I got was he was in autopilot mode. Right. Like he was, he was completely not registering all the people that were coming in. He did not register at me or my Sandy Cohen shirt at all. Like he, he was not present is, uh, was my yeah. vibe. Okay. Um, that sounds like an accurate reading. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's just what you got to do unless you enjoy that. That seems like an obligation. He's like, eh, I just got to get through this. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm think, not going to be a dick. I'm not yeah. going to be awesome. I'm not I'm just going to spend the amount of energy that I need and get on with my life. I'm kind of in the middle, you know, there's like some things like you, it wasn't bad. It was just kind of, I kind of saw it for what it seemed like it was. Yeah. I always think that's a weird thing because obviously actors like being actors, but just standing in line and taking pictures with everybody would be the weirdest thing of all time. Yeah. It's, You're like, oh, yeah. oh, you would feel like a zoo animal. Yeah. I think that's probably how he felt. And yeah. the whole like commerce, like the exchange of money, like a pick, like seven, here's your $70. Okay. And then picture with me, that's worth 70 bucks. Yeah. And then It'd I would also weird. like, if, the, if they were both, they had lines next to each other, him and his girlfriend to see his line was longer. His or, like, was maybe definitely he charged, longer. <laughs> charged more or less than her. His was definitely longer. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was tense. also thinking that that's I was tense. like, is she pissed like that? Right. He's getting more love or whatever. Anyways, yeah, crazy. That I, I will say I have zero regrets that needed to happen, and it will go down for this podcast as like one of the most monumental moments for this pod. Oh, I was going to say absurd, but and mon- absurd, yeah. monumental. <laughs> you would have been kicking yourself. You Look, all that. I know is now Ben Buttons McKenzie, we can officially say friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. He's a friend of the pod. Did you tag him in that pick? Tag the shit out of him. I also nice. looked at his Instagram and he doesn't take off any of the tags. Oh, really? So is that's going to stay there. Is he in our zone? Is he in our like no, he's... three to 10,000 followers no, zone? No, no, He's He's way more. He's out of our zone. By the way, every single, like I just like scroll through Instagram on the Discover page or whatever when I'm bored. And one of the accounts that always pops up, I'm assuming because of our pod and I follow the OC, other OC podcasts, is uh, Ben McKenzie News. <laughs> Somebody has a, fa- a fan Instagram account dedicated to Ben McKenzie. Oh, there are so many uh, Ben McKenzie fan accounts. Like, I was looking for him to tag him and I was like scrolling through like 
17 different like Ben McKenzie pages that are fan pages. Damn, I feel like if I got any taste of fame, I would just go off the rails. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I would be like openly. reaching out to all my fan accounts and like, really, like, you know, yeah, I, I'd be interacting a lot. And I, I would be <laughs> that'd be a bad scene at those Comic Con things. I would, n- I would be making my displeasure so known, <laughs> like, I would just be bitching the whole fucking time. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's 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 not get into business, dude. Let's okay. get down to brass tacks. So basically what we talked about is we're just we're we're diving deep. We're doing some research. Yep. We're diving down to to see if we can get the roots of teen dramas. And this is one of the first movies that popped into mind, Sixteen Candles. Yeah, we want to get to the base. So it's like music. Like you can't have Led Zeppelin without Robert Johnson and the blues, and you can't have the black keys without Led Zeppelin. So basically, we're gonna just go all the way down that road and see see where it digs, and this is one of our stops along the way. So that road that you're talking about, it begins in 1984 with the movie Sixteen Candles. I would say pre us, pre us, and this is I think early 80s is really when teen movies started to pop. Like you got Fast Times at Ridgemont High that hit in 82, and like Breakfast Club that hit in like 85. There's a lot that, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there's a lot that we're hitting in like early to mid 80s. So we wanted to go down there, get down to the roots. We started there. A little different structure too tonight where we were just like, let's actually not watch this movie. Yeah, full disclosure, we did not watch this movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've never seen it either. So we're going to do a podcast on literally just pure research. So... I watched at least like 45. I should have just watched the movie because I watched so many YouTube clips that I feel like I just saw the whole movie. Right. But um, yeah, we're going to see if we can like navigate our way through the plot of this movie and like predict how it went without actually physically watching. And by the way, if you think we're just mailing this one in and we're just, you know, losing steam in any way, just keep in mind that this past weekend, Brian did go drive down to Comic-Con to get a picture with Ben McKenzie. I don't mail anything in in my life. This is an experiment. Besides work. Oh, yeah. I mail that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't mail... Let me, let me like change that statement. I don't mail anything outside of work in. Nothing. And I besides actually... Besides mail. Besides mail. Every like three times a year, maybe. I took more notes for 16 Candles than I ever have on shows that we've done. Good. So I'm ready. Okay. Let's uh let's start off with let's guess the Rotten Tomatoes score and then after that we'll do a character breakdown. If you had to guess, where would you guess without watching the movie this would net out? 86. I'm going to guess 82. 82. Is this a live look up? This is a live look up right here on the pod. By the way, before you see it, you want to put some money on it? Uh cool 5. Makes sense. You're fucked. You said what? 86. Oh! Fucking 87. And the audience score is 85, so you are right in the mix. God damn. Damn it. All right, there you go. Five bucks. Fuck. That is cool. Yeah, I I think that's about right, because I believe this movie was kind of like a pioneer, right? Yeah, not only was it a pioneer, um... But in like like you mentioned before, did not watch the movie. Watched a bunch of clips. They were all pretty decent. Like I was kind of pissed that I wasn't actually watching the movie. 
Did you watch those 10 clips? Yeah, the like one out of 10. Did you watch any outside of that? Yes, I did. I watched like two. But yeah, so that 87 makes sense to me. It was your quality. Your fucking Venmoed, bitch. There you go. Um, yeah, so I think that does make sense. Um, I, I do think it, it's like one of those things if you're first to market. I bet a lot of those movies in the early 80s when critics went back and input like their scores on Rotten Tomatoes that you have a nostalgic factor going into. So it's always going to get rated a little higher. Okay, are you ready for a character breakdown? We're only going to do a couple people, and one of them is going to actually be the director. So are you ready? Always. Let's start off, John Hughes, the director. John Hughes, famous director. Famous teen director. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy it could be like our de facto teen podcast dad or grandpa. Should we call him our pod, podcast grandpa? The Dude, pod like, father? Imagine, yeah, imagine getting an interview with him just all about teen drama. He's dead. He, I know. <laughs> <laughs> imagine digging him up. Oh, Reanimating right, yeah. his corpse and getting an interview with him from the Podfather himself. Yeah, just breaking down all because I'm sure he's a, like a mastermind of teen drama at this point. Like he's the guy, isn't he? The guy that did John Cusack with the boombox above his head. No, is that not John Hughes? No, shit. He did. Um, okay, well, let's just go into John Hughes because he he came out of the gate with this movie. This was his first movie he ever directed. He essentially directed movies from. 1984 to 1991 he had a seven-year run of directing movies that's it and i'm gonna get back to this later when we get into anthony michael hall but there i have a theory floating around between his dynamic with molly ringwald and anthony michael hall that i think is spot on super dynamic i'm excited to hear it put a pin in that for a second essentially he, he started out with 16 Candles in 84, Breakfast Club in 85, Unreal, Weird Science in 85, Unreal, we have to do that at some point on this pod, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and then Uncle Buck in 89. That's a lot of good movies. He just ran, pun intended, train through the 80s, dude. Like, the 80s were his decade, and he, it was all him tapping into the teens. So he then went on in like the 90s to he just moved away from directing all into writing. So he was like the writer of all the Home Alone movies. He was still huge in the 90s. A Christmas story like he did a lot of shit. Damn. Okay, so he's I'm going to get back to him, but let's now go into the main character from this movie. Molly Ringwald, what are your thoughts? Um interestingly enough like growing up like i was always aware of who she was but never like a, a teen like a teen heartthrob for me i would just i always just assumed that she was like played a nerd in this and watching it back as a 32 year old man it's like molly ringwald you're in on her hot really yeah i wrote down uh the complete opposite of molly ringwald never did it for me still doesn't do it for me 
interesting because I <laughs> I was so close to being like if I wouldn't have watched all those clips today, I would have been in your exact camp because in my head I was like, oh yeah, my Rainwater. She was like the weird, nerdy girl. Which in is those weird because she was never. A she nerd. never did it for me. She was never. She was a nerd. never a nerd. She just seemed like a nerd to us, but she wasn't. Like in Breakfast Club, she was the popular. I don't know. I just. I, I was talking about it with my sister on the Mean Girls pod last week. Like, I'm just not that into redheads. Like, redheads are really not my jam. That's and fair. she is like the poster child of redheads. If there was a wall of fame, a redhead wall of fame, she would be front and center on that. I'm trying to think who else might be. Shirley Temple. Annie. Annie, who cares? Not into it. Um, the G- she was a uh, fun fact. She was actually fifteen. Her and Anthony Michael Hall were fifteen when this when they filmed this movie. Damn it! Yeah, so. um, not creepy. No, we're grandfathered in. Well, we weren't even born yet yeah. when this movie came That's out, dude. Point. We're so good. That's a good. Point. We're so good on analyzing this critically. <laughs> I actually thought her friend was a smoke show in this. Did you see her? Um, in one scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I so the the only thing I have about Molly Ringwald was I just I googled what happened to Molly Ringwald when I was watching all these clips because I was curious. I'm like, I do remember her being so massive in the '80s. Like, what the fuck happened to her? She didn't do shit, and now she's like doing weird cameos. She has a cameo as herself and not another teen movie, and I'm just like. What the fuck, Molly Ringwald? Like, what happened? You were so good, like, so big in the 80s. So, do you know what, do you want me to walk through what happened? Sure. I'm pretty sure she, she just got so massive at such a young age in the 80s. Like, late, early, like, mid to late teens is when she's at the peak of her powers in the 80s. And so, she then, I think, got so big that it was, like, overwhelming as fuck, and she she made a couple like fuck ups. She crushed the eighties, and then she got to the early nineties, and she just started making bad choices. Movie wise, yeah. Okay. Like she turned down. It said that she turned down Pretty Woman. She's the, gonna be Julia Roberts in Pretty yeah, Woman. She turned that down, and then she turned down the movie Ghost. With Swayze. With uh, Demi Moore, in early nineties. I think that was ninety, and she did some like shitty movies instead and it was like i think she was so fucked up that she was just like fuck it i'm going to live in paris and she literally moved to france and lived in france for all of the 90s didn't come back till the 2000s that's weird do you yeah. do you know who else did that macaulay culkin still lives in france there's got to be something so that's the move. i think that's the move you get so famous it fucks you up mentally you're trapped with the mindset of like a 15 year old for your whole life. And you just go can't be in America as a 40 year old body with a 15 year old head. I'm moving <laughs> to France where that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I feel like people in France just don't give a shit about you. So it's like the perfect place to go hide out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, those actors, like those child actors, especially in the eighties, were just not protected in any way. No. Like, like Drew, wasn't Drew Barrymore like famously just, partying super hard when she was like 13 with like yeah just basically elite hollywood <laughs> just like yeah because she got so famous from et right as a child she and, went straight yeah. from et into just like piles of cocaine mm-hmm. in la nightclubs yeah i mean we've all done it yeah 
We've all like we've all done our stints, cocaine stints, nightclubs, dude. When you walk into a nightclub in LA, dude, it's just like they hand you a bag full of cocaine. Eighties nightclub. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, Anthony Michael Hall. Last one we're gonna do. Anthony Michael Hall. I love this guy. I I just have this one thought on him, um, and then I'll let you get into it. I was looking for pictures of him because I wanted to see like how he aged. <laughs> there is no middle ground pictures of him. I know. it's either pictures where he's exactly this age from this movie or he has gray hair and is like 50 do you know like, why? I'm pretty sure did he just disappear And he essentially was he... <laughs> the biggest mo- one of the biggest movie stars in the 80s and then just did nothing but like CSI's for like the 90s and 2000s <laughs> until at a certain point, there's like a 20-year stretch where he just does nothing, then comes back onto the scene, and Freddy got fingered in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's the uh, the news anchor in The Dark Knight. Really? Yeah. He's, he's oh, that guy. Oh, the guy who's like super nervous, like when the Joker has that guy kidnapped? Yeah. He's the guy who's kidnapped. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's weird. To look at his Google image search, it's like he literally evaporated for 25 years and then came back as an old man i think what happened is is he was so typecast as like that teen that boyish teen that him as a middle-aged man in the 90s just didn't work for america they're just like fuck no anthony michael hall no he no longer looks like he's 16 fuck it call me when he looks like he's 50 and we'll start to (laughs) we'll start to put him in a couple christopher nolan movies but i liked him in this movie like, cause he's definitely the one, like a nerd, nerd archetype in this, except he's got like some swag about him. Like he's got some confidence. Yeah. He is a surprisingly confident nerd. Like, he has no shame about just heaping game onto, uh, yeah. Samantha, AKA Molly Ringwald trying to like win her over. Obviously he's a nerd. So like she never takes him seriously, but he is just. He's got his arm around her on the bus and he just makes pass after pass, like very confidently, very humorously to the point where you're like, eventually this is just going to work, right? Oh yeah, dude. He's in that Seth Cohen mold of like, oh man, if you're just like kind of very aware that you are, there's no shame in your game. You're just like, yeah, but I'm just going to keep coming on to you and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep telling you I'm obsessed with you. And like, but I'll do it in sort of a funny, non-threatening way that like, Eventually, if I have enough charm baked in, I'm just going to be hooking up at some point. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's going to have a very, like, obviously he's like a freshman or whatever. He's a little too young. I feel like he's going to have a successful career, you know, as a Lothario in his later years. I will say, though, he does get a little pushy. Yeah. I I actually wrote down he's a combination because uh, he just keeps badgering her. And he's like, you know, up close and... No means no. Like, she probably tells him no at least two dozen times. So I have written down that he is a combination of mouth from One Tree Hill. Oh. Because of, like, his nerdy looks. Seth Cohen, because of his charm and humor. And the guy who sexually assaults Tyra in the parking lot and Friday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> like, the perfect the hybrid of those three characters yeah. from our pods. I could see that. Yeah. So he's got, yeah, a little, a little rapey vibe to him along with yeah. charm it's and like, nerd it's like ted aka anthony michael hall 
you're doing some good things. Game strong, but no does me now. Let's play a clip of him uh, coming on to her in that uh, bus scene that we saw. Here it is. <laughs> so, I mean, what's the story? I mean, you got a guy or? Yes, three big ones and they lust for wimp blood. So quit bugging me or I'll stick them all over your weenie ass. You know, I'm getting input here that I'm reading is relatively hostile. I mean, it's just... Go to hell. Very hostile. Come on, what's the problem here? I'm a boy. You're a girl. Is there anything wrong with me trying to put together some kind of relationship between us? Okay, okay. I know you have to go. Just ask me one question. Am I turning you on? It's encouraging. Very encouraging. Yeah, he comes on strong. Yeah. He's aggressive. He's aggressive. He's aggressive. It's a strong, strong It's a, an example of a guy laying it out so they can play it out who's not hot and rich. Yeah, he's not Brody Jenner, so I don't think he can do that. Right. Totally. Um, okay, let me give my fun fact. Let me tie it back to my fun fact that I wanted to give to about the director, John Hughes, Molly Ringwald, and Anthony Michael Hall, and then we'll get into the, the actual, like, how we think this plot broke down in this movie. Fun fact, I thought this was wild. So, you know, we had, we went through John Hughes. We were like, what what happened? Why in the 90s did he all of a sudden stop directing? Same thing with like Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall. We're like, okay, these three people all crushed the 80s and then all disappeared after the 80s. How'd that happen? I mean, Tom Cruise crushed the 80s. He's still hanging around. Yeah. Like, what's up? Why did Molly Ringwald and... Anthony Michael Hall not continued crushing the 80s. So when I was digging into fun facts, there was this one that I thought was the most... It was like... Is it the funnest? It was like the 75th fact I saw, but when I saw this, I was like, this is super interesting. I'm just going to read it. During this period, the early and mid-80s, when John Hughes was at the height of his powers, Hughes, Anthony Michael Hall, and Molly Ringwald were essentially in a clique together... Strange as that was, since Hall and Ringwald were teenagers and Hughes was in his 30s as the director, Hughes clearly wanted to be a teenager again and maybe was reliving this through Anthony Michael Hall and Ringwald. Hall and Ringwald genuinely liked him. He was like their crazy, funny older brother who also happened to be a Hollywood power player who had vaunted them both to the top of the A-list. So for a year or two, 84 to 85, during the filming of 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, and Weird Science, the three of them would hang out, go to restaurants, clubs, and concerts, and were friends. All of this ended after Breakfast Club in 85 when Hall rejected Hugh's offer to play the ducky role in Pretty in Pink, and then Ringwald rejected Hugh's offer for them to both play the characters in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and some kind of wonderful. Interesting. Interesting. It was originally going to be Anthony Michael Hall. I'm going off script here for a second. It was originally going to be AMH and Ringwald in 16 Candles Breakfast Club and the brother-sister tandem in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How insane would that have been? The brother-sister tandem? Yeah. And Ferris Bueller, like, one would play Ferris? Yeah. And Anthony then, Michael Hall would play Ferris, and then she would play the bitch sister. Or, I don't or know. his girlfriend. I don't know. The sister doesn't have that. I guess she has a pretty big role. Maybe but. it was the girlfriend. Okay, let me just finish this. 
In fact, this might have very well gone on forever if Hall and Ringwald hadn't put a stop to it. At that point, the terrible trio broke up, and in fact, they rarely ever spoke to Hughes ever again after that. Hughes stopped making teen movies and started making kids' movies, Uncle Buck, Home Alone. Many felt the magic was gone that without his teen muses, Hall and Ringwald, and without the comfort of the genre he created, Hughes' spirit and creativity sort of died, and the movies he made were never quite the same. Both Hall and Ringwald, as well as, as others, have spoken extensively about this in interviews. Interesting. I wonder what the beef was. So my my theory is that he was, like we do on this Vicarious Living podcast, we live very much through the teens. That's what we do. I feel like he kind of was doing that, but in a way more serious, fucked up way. <laughs> like... Like, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? Like, dude, you're fucking 35. I don't. We're, yeah. we're hanging out with our friends. I feel like he fashions himself as like he was the Anthony Michael Hall in high school, and he was kind of nerdy, but he felt like he had a lot of charm, he had a lot of game, but like people weren't seeing it, girls weren't seeing it, and he was obsessed with this redheaded girl in high school a la Molly Ringwald, and I think he was living vicariously through them in their lives, and when they rejected his roles in movies, he was so fucking hurt by that, it was like a teenager getting broken up with. Damn. Because he had the mindset of, like, a teen, and that's why he was so good at making these teen movies. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I've never thought about it from that angle. Yeah, that's some good digging. That's a nice tidbit. Because I figure just like with stuff like this, it just kind of fizzles. Like maybe, you know, like you were saying before, maybe she took a couple bad movies. But to know there's a story potentially behind it? I think there was some, there's oh, some, yeah. something there. Mm-hmm. I think there's some bad blood brewing between this weird 30-year-old and these teens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe as harmless as like, all right, guy, you're just not cool enough to be hanging out with us. We're young. You're old. I'm... <laughs> maybe i don't know maybe hopefully nothing more insidious was going down yeah like he was having three ways with the teens yeah let's hope so hope not okay should we now get into our plot you know what do you have a song do you want to do you want to pepper in a song here yeah so i don't act like like i said we didn't watch this movie (laughs) so i don't know when this happened but i was uh listening to the soundtrack today and there's a song that I loved on here. It's called Today I Met the Boy I'm Gonna Marry. I don't know if you've heard this, but it's by Darlene Love. There it is. Today I met the boy I'm gonna marry. He's all I've wanted all my life and even more. He smiled at me and gee, the music started playing. Here comes the bride when he walked through the door. Um. Anyways, should we just guess what, what we think the scene that this is playing is? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but basically, this song, like as soon as I heard it, I knew immediately that it was produced by this dude named Phil Spector, just because every song that he produced sounds like it's got a very similar sound. He was famous for doing this thing called the Wall of Sound, where he would build up this gigantic backing track of like 10 guitars and all these drums and just this huge sound that just like pounds you in the chest when you listen to it and then he would pretty much exclusively work with like unreal female singers whose voices would just 
cut through that wall of sound. Damn, I love that. And it just sound all of his sound songs sound amazing. There's probably a more famous version is "Be My Baby" with the Ronettes. We were oh, singing yeah. it before the podcast started. Yeah, because it was in my head. But he's he's got that's his vibe. Like if you hear "Be My Baby" and "Today I Met the Boy I'm Gonna Marry," they kind of have a similar vibe. And uh, also. He was fucking crazy as shit, this Phil Spector. Yeah, we you've talked about him on the pod. Before. I have? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I'm glad that ties in. Yeah, I forget what the story was, but I know that you he brought He just, up. like, was just a fucking madman. I think he was yeah. in jail for a long time, potentially for murder. I know he famously... Uh, <laughs> potentially for murder. He famously brandished a gun at John Lennon. <laughs> like, basically, just like they had a disagreement and he pulled a gun on him. Shit. I, I thought there was something else with him, like, hooking up with kids. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty much shit. I'm pretty sure he was just a, a musical genius but also didn't have any grasp on reality. Yeah. We we have I remember <laughs> we had talked about him because I remember just thinking how fucked up he was. Yeah. All right. You ready to get into what we think's happening in the plot? Yeah, let's uh let's try and piece it together. Okay. Both of us watched I've watched about twelve clips. That's about know. where I'm at. Okay. Um let's play one now because let's set up the, the premise of this movie with this first clip. Here it is. Now, don't give me that pouty look of yours. You can eat your carrots when you get home. That's it? You don't have anything else to say to me today? What would you like me to say, Sam? Come on now, honey. You're going to miss the bus. Have a good day. I can't believe this. They fucking forgot my birthday. We have a classic teen angst situation. Yep, sure do. A little mad at mom and dad. Uh, they forgot her birthday, so she's 15, going on 16. And what we're now going to see throughout this entire movie is a coming-of-age story trying to like get self-worth at a confusing point in her life when people like her parents aren't giving it to her. Yeah, you're set adrift. You're not an adult yet. But also, like, you're old enough where your parents just don't even give a shit. It's your birthday. Which I was, though, thinking when I saw that, I was like, what world does this exist where the parents forget the 16th birthday in this diagram that they have set up for us, which is a very affluent, well-to-do, you know, two and a half kids, white picket fence house. The parents forgetting the 16-year-old oldest daughter's birthday seemed a little far-fetched to me. Yeah, to the point where, like, I was a little bit suspicious that maybe it was, like, a trick. And that, obviously, I didn't watch the rest of the movie, but at a certain point, they're like, oh, yeah, here's your fucking car. Like, of course we knew it was your birthday. We're just messing with you. But I don't know if that happens or not, because I didn't watch the movie. (laughs) I will say, I I love the device they use where she talks to herself out loud a lot. Like, as a plot device. Like, she... Yeah, staring in the mirror. She's kind of her own narrator, so you get her inner thoughts, and it's basically just... Her talking out loud like I do all the time. Or I'm assuming I probably did way more when I was 16. Yeah, I I don't remember talking out loud a lot, but... I, I do stuff like this a lot. Oh, good one, Pat, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I guess that is true. I do that a lot. It, yeah, it's mostly just when you're like bitching about like... Yeah. You hurt yourself and you're like, nice job, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> Um, the other thing I was thinking was, God, what I would give for people to just forget my birthday now, 31. Dude. Yeah. God. Be awesome. 
Because birthdays now just aren't as sweet. Like, no offense to, like, people who buy stuff for my birthday. And when's, birthday. You, when's your next birthday? It's coming up, October. You want me to just not acknowledge it? I mean, ideally. Okay. It's, just know that when your birthday comes up, yeah, and, like, not... a group text goes out where was like, yo, BD, happy birthday. I'm not going to say shit. Yeah. And right. it's because, you know, it's because I care about you. <laughs> it's just different now at birthdays because back in the day when you would have a birthday, it was like you didn't have money to buy shit. So it was like, oh, Christmas? Like, I can't buy that gonna, new Megazord I'm Power Ranger. I only get the thing that I wanted, and I'm literally, that's yeah. the only way I could potentially get it. I don't have $30, but my <laughs> parents do. So fucking Christmas, I'm getting that shit. Now, you just buy everything you want whenever you want it. It's like by the time your birthday comes around and you're searching, people are like, what do you want for your birthday? It's like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I bought I bought it on Amazon like 10 times in the last two months and I wanted something really bad. I just bought it on Amazon. Anyways, in that first clip, there's another character who's baked into it and I got to give my MCITW. Give it. This week, the MCITW for 16 Candles, it was simple AF. It's going to the fucking brother of Molly Ringwald. That little piece of shit. Such a fucking bitch. I saw him in like four clips and I hated the shit out of him. So this week, you get it. That is the MCITW. Brought to you by Wickloware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W. Be free and explore. Get all your auto at Wickloware.com. Type in the promo code VLA. Check out your 10% off of your order. Baseball sees $30. And tanks. $20, get out of us kids if you want the good shit on Instagram. Goes to the fucking kid, dude. I'm going to play a couple clips of when I was perusing through YouTube, there were these two clips that I saw that he was just woven into, and I hate him forever. Here it is. Okay, Sam. Love me, Brenda. Hey, birth defect! Oh, I'm sorry. You'll have to buy lunch today. I didn't have time to fix your carrots. Yeah, well, she's only eating carrots to increase the size of her breasts. Mr. You had better shape up or you will miss your sister's wedding. Promise? This is the single worst day of my entire life. The hell are you bitching about? I'm gonna sleep under some Chinaman named after a duck's dork. Where am I sleeping? Sofa City, sweetheart. I mean, how many times have you talked about your sister's boobs openly? To Ooh, your sister. Um, it's got to be under zero. Is it possible to get a negative? <laughs> yeah. So this kid is like a, uh, they always do this in movies where they have the like, um, the real precocious extra, extra as fuck kid. I feel like that's a classic, like it's, it's more in the movies and it's more, a lot in the 80s, definitely like a teen movie like the main character has to have a fucking really obnoxious sibling they're either so the the younger siblings they're always um in a vein of obnoxious and like really loud and over the top extra or they're in this vein of like they're the wisest people <laughs> yeah. of all time yeah there, there's no middle ground can you imagine you're in the war room and you're john hughes and you're trying to draft out like stories of how it could go with the younger sibling 
there's only two options. You're going, he can be an annoying piece of extra shit or uh, let's just make him like super wise like the younger sister in 500 Days of Summer where Molly Ringwald's always going to him for like advice. Right. It's either that or just he's basically a piece of furniture. Like just a background that doesn't exist. Yeah. So with that, uh, fuck you, Molly Ringwald's brother. You're a little bitch. Piece of shit. Fuck you. Be free and explore. Brought to you by Wickleware. By the way, you. T- I feel like this. I'm just gonna use this. Uh, your MCITW as a segue into this because you touched on it. Um, I know we don't like to dwell on this that much with like these old movies when we're going back or the old shows about yeah. how like non PC it is because we could just do a whole podcast about it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But I have to point out. The stuff with the character Long Duck Don is the most racist shit I've ever seen in my life. It's good that you bring it up because we did just play a clip where the younger brother was being racist as shit against Asians. Uh, yeah, I I wrote the only, honestly the only thing I wrote down about Long Duck Dong was should we discuss this super racist Asian stereotype in this movie? <laughs> That's all I wrote down about it. But they, I think they, they exclusively refer to him as the Chinaman, it's which is pretty tough. Absurd. That's tough. And also, I don't know in what context this song was because once again, did not watch the movie. <laughs> but one of the options that we could have chosen on the soundtrack was, I think I'm turning Japanese. <laughs> so my thought is, there's like some scene where Long Duck Dong is hanging out to that song. Or something. I don't know. But it's it's absurd. So let's just give the context. Long Duck Dong is a foreign exchange student who's living with Molly Ringwald's grandparents. Yes. I think. And because the grandparents are in town visiting, they bring Long Duck Dong along with them. Uh-huh. And this little Asian kid is just always popping up in weird spots. I'm yeah. also pretty sure he's like 35 years old. He does look old. But yeah, I, did, I, did, I was just kind of blown away by this. And uh, I want to see how he plays in the rest of the movie. Because he's essentially like... It's like the movie was filmed in like 1942. While we were at war with Japan. Doing some like anti-Japanese <laughs> propaganda. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's crazy. happening. Yeah, I don't. I I'm with you. I don't want to get too 2019 woke because it's a different time. So, it was weird watching it back. Whenever I did see him pop up, I was like, "This movie feels super racist." Yeah, against not, Asians. I was gonna say not to sound like the fucking woke police, but I was just yeah, picturing let's... being like an Asian American teenager watching this movie <laughs> with my friends and just being like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> like, are you serious let's end it there because honestly there's nothing more disgusting to me than woke police fuck everyone in the woke police so let's let's get out of the woke police. check on my badge away put your badge away put your wp badge away right now okay let's just go to a scene because i think the biggest plot device in this movie is the hot fucking guy jake mm-hmm. who looks to be about 32 years old, obviously. Sure right in our wheelhouse. <laughs> Drives of, a red sports car. There is this hot-ass dude who she's, like, obsessed with. The vibe I've gotten from the clips. There's this guy she's obsessed with. To me, it's a classic story of she's in the movie portrayed as, like, she's in the middle. Average. 
So there's the hot popular jocks who she's obsessed with. He's a senior. She's a sophomore. And then you got the rung below her, which is the nerd like Anthony Michael Hall, who's obsessed with her. In classic teen drama, I feel like this is an essential cornerstone to a teen drama. The main character is neither cool nor uncool. They're just kind of on the fringes. Like right. they're like an independent thinker, definitely not like the least cool kid in school and very far away from being in the popular crowd. Wasn't intern Whitney in that crew? Didn't she say that? She said she was uh, the Lizzie McGuire. So wasn't that right in the middle? Yeah. Like she was saying? Yeah. Damn, I wish she was here tonight. Um, we could ask her about it. Not getting paid to be here because... We could ask her about being Lizzie McGuire in high school. Yeah. Like what, what that's all about. So, so we can assume that intern Whitney probably had some guys like on the rung below her who are obsessed with her that she never gave the time of day to. But then she had a Jake that she was obsessed with. Probably so. Who wouldn't give her the time of day. Next time we get her on, we'll dig in. We'll ask her. Um, There was just this scene I saw that was wild. When when they were in the classroom and they were passing notes. Did you see that one? No. So they're in the the classroom and it's that classic scene where like your friend gives you a note. It's like a secret note about like the, the guys you're into kind of thing. And I just wrote a down juicy the, note, juicy as fuck. Yeah. I wrote down the questions here. Um, question one: Have you ever touched it? Well, I'm assuming they're referring to dick. Yeah. Her answer: Almost. Not clear on what that means. Second question: Have you ever done it? Her answer: I don't think so. Interesting. That seems like a pretty straightforward yes or no, Molly Ringwald. Have you fucked or not? Whoa. Yes. Sorry. Yes. We're grandfathered in. It's totally cool. We weren't even born. Would you ever do it if you could? Her answer, I guess so. With who? Obviously, she writes Jake. Wow. Does he know? No exclamation point. Who do you think gets the note? Hmm. (laughs) Is it Jake? (laughs) Yeah. By the way, once again, this has never happened to me. Really wish it would because that would be the dream. By the way, we we've talked about that. We talked about this way back in our OC days of like, as much as I like being my age now, just the one thing that both of us agreed on is we're we're like so out of the range for getting that feeling. So out of the range. Actually, let's like do you a- accidentally intercept a note that's like, whoa, this like so and so like totally catches you off guard. So and so has a crush <laughs> on you. And now it's just like, you know. Never happens. Yeah, it's. Never happens. Let's do a hypothetical role play of how this could play out now as 31-year-olds in the workplace. Why don't I be the guy who found a note and you be the guy who is in this dream scenario? Hey, Pat. Pat. Pat, come over here. Come over here. Hey, what is it? Hold on. Let me uh, finish sending this email. Okay. Yeah, send that email. Save that that, uh, Excel document. Come over here. uh, All right. What's going on? So, I was standing over by Karen's desk. Oh, Karen from uh, accounting? Yeah, she's like 45. Yeah. She's um, Yeah, she's got like two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, happily married, everything like that. So, um, I saw her writing feverishly on a loose-leaf piece of paper really? at her desk. Interesting. And I was obviously right, tuned in to what for, it was. First of all, who writes on paper at work anymore? Right. But second of all, I mean, what was she writing about? 
so obviously what I did was I sat there and I stared at her out of the corner of my eye until she had to get up and go to the bathroom about three hours later. Mm -hmm. Went over to her desk, took that crumpled up piece of loose leaf that she had thrown into the garbage can, took it over to my desk and read the fuck out of it. Right. You're not going to believe what was on it. What? Was it like a confession? So apparently... Some sort? Jessica, she's in creative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had just written out a bunch of questions to Karen, who's 45, with Mm -hmm. two kids. Uh, just asking about like who she wants to fucking suck dicks of in the workplace. In the office? Yeah, here. What? Yeah, That's so crazy. first question was, have you ever thought about uh, seeing someone's dick in the workplace? She wrote, almost. Whoa. That's kind of a vague answer to that question, right. but go on. This is juicy. And then she's like, have you ever actually touched someone's dick in the workplace? What? She said, I don't think so. So maybe Karen's it like... seems like a pretty black and white question, but... Yeah, maybe she got blacked out like at a Christmas party or something and she can't remember if she touched Chad's dick. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, then it says, would you ever touch a dick at the workplace if you could? And she said, she guesses so. So now we know it's on. Right, right, right. And then she says, with who? And she wrote your fucking name, Pat. Me? Yeah. And then it says, does, does he know? And she says, no. Exclamation point. Wow. I'm assuming that means she hopes that you never find out. I mean, my year's made. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking made. You're That'd made. be amazing. Because it's a low risk, nothing burger to you. You don't have to like do anything. It's just now you've got this information of knowing Karen with two kids, 45 years old. Yeah. Wants to blow you. I'm going to go back to my wife and three kids and just, <laughs> you know, have dinner like usual, but just know in the back of my head, you're made. The year is completely the year is made. fucking made. Okay. Hey, looks like I still got it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to a clip of uh, Jake talking to his friend. I wanted to put this one in here because I remember this as being like a clip that registered with me. I remembered this line. Without ever seeing the movie, I had heard this line somehow. So here's a clip of Jake talking to his friend after he found that note. Do you know Samantha Baker? Sophomore, right? Yeah, what do you think of her? She ever go out with her? Depends on how much you paid me. She's not ugly. There's nothing there, man. It's not ugly. It's just void. You know what I mean? There's something about it. She looks at me like she's in love with me. Jake, she's a child. So? So what are you going to do with her? She's obviously too young to party serious. Maybe I'm interested in more than a party. Come on, Jake, you talk like you're hard up. You got Carolyn. Now, she's a woman. I don't know why. Just that last clip where he says, like, you need to be with a real woman. I've heard that before. I don't know where I've heard it, but I, also it was just the... cracking up where he was talking about her as like, yeah, she's not bad. But then I found out that she does kind of want to have sex with me. And so now I'm That's like, point. Eh. That's points. I'm not into redheads, but like maybe now I'll consider Clearly it. Clearly she's got good taste. Yeah. I do feel to your point of like feeling like you've heard that line before without seeing this movie. I think like somehow this movie was so popular it it uh, and influential it kind of like 
soaked into yeah. our subconscious in some way. Yeah. So let's just do a plot break of where do we think we're at right now with where this movie's at? I feel like there has to be some kind of a big event happening. Like at a certain point that that they're leading up to. Yeah, there's got to be an event. Is there like a dance? I feel like there's a clip where there's a dance. Yeah, there is a school dance. Um, That makes sense. I I couldn't really gather too much of what went on at that school dance. I would imagine her heart was broken or something. I... It seemed like I just the only clip I saw at that dance is that weird Anthony Michael Hall geeky character was like doing weird dances for her and stuff. Right. Yeah, I that's the clip I saw. But it's it seemed like she was like crying. So let's, I would imagine she goes to the school dance and she's crushed somehow. Let's let's do this. Let's just fill in things we know. Obviously, we know that she gets together with a guy at the end. In between that, where she like she's not on his radar, but then she gets on his radar in this accidental way. They have to have like some interaction where they have a hang, like a forced hang. But I, in any of the clips I saw, that never came up. So I don't know if you saw them or you have a guess as to what that hang would no, be. No, I, I was actually surprised because the way that this movie was shaking out for me was I was assuming that at the end she was going to get with Anthony Michael Hall. I was kind of going... And so was I. I was going the route of this guy, this hot guy is like... He's not real. He's a fantasy. This is your 15, 16-year-old girl. You fantasize about the senior, but that's not real. That's just the poster on your wall kind of thing. And eventually you realize after the whole movie that this guy who has been in your corner and your friend for your whole life or whatever, the nerdy kid is actually the guy who you should have been with all along and she ends up taking that guy. The craziest thing to me in this entire movie is that it does not play out that it doesn't way. shake out like that at all. But let's let's hold off on the ending for one second because let's just stay at this dance because when I was seeing those clips, did you notice John Cusack in this movie? What? Yeah. No. So there's awesome. there's two Cusack spottings. I'm assuming he was huge at this point, right? No. He is like an actual teen at this point. Oh, this is pre-Cusack. This is pre fucking cusack pre say anything cusack yeah this is pre say anything he's a nerd friend of anthony michael hall he's like a massive geek nice and he looks like a huge geek i mean dude cusack he's a he's method yeah he's method he's method Mm -hmm. two cusack spottings in this movie john cusack is one of the small character friends of anthony michael hall and joan cusack wearing some wild neck brace in the bus in the first scene with anthony michael hall and molly ringwald damn those are eagle eyes yeah dude she she had like some i wasn't sure if it was like some weird braces 80s braces retainer contraption on her mouth but then it just looked like oh no looks like she broke her neck she's got a weird (laughs) neck brace (laughs) yeah weird weird subtle move there by uh john hughes um so I, but to your point about, to go back to your question of was there that one big heart-to-heart moment with her and like the popular kid, right. I never saw it in the clips. That's what I'm saying. I'm miss, I feel like I'm missing a piece, and I'm wondering if we can detective our way through it. Because what we do know is that's her crush. At the end, she winds up with him. But like I, I have no idea how the interaction happens. But I think that was why I thought she was going to get with Anthony Michael Hall, because in the YouTube digging... 
she has that heart to heart with AMH in the car. Yeah, when he keeps trying to mount her over the steering Fuck. wheel. Yeah, he, he, she's tough. she's in the driver's seat. He's in the passenger seat, and he keeps trying to make a move by swinging his right leg like over the steering wheel and like fucking pouncing on her like some kind of a cat. He's full on just like me too movementing the fuck out of her. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got And he's again, got, let's not get too woke here. Let's not get too uh, let's not get too woke, police. Let's keep the the WP badges at our side, but what we will say is uh he was aggressively making physical moves on her <laughs> and she just shakes it off like Oh, come on, AMH. Like, come on, you fucking nerd. But there was that heart-to-heart, though, because he was, like, opening up about being, like, never having sex, being a virgin and all this stuff, and she was, too. And it was, like, a very Breakfast Club-esque open-up moment. Right. Yeah, to your point, I thought they were going to end up together. So it's like, But she just kept rejecting him hard. Yeah. Um, So, back to this detective work. Are we, my guess, and this is obviously just a guess, is there's something that happens where the cool hot guy is in some way trapped with her and also, like, humbled in some way. And she, like, comes to support him. Hey, it's cool, like, I'm a virgin too, or whatever, whatever happens. And then he's like, man, man, you're hot. Should we just trap him at the mall? That seems like a pretty classic trope of yeah, TV dude. shows. Let's get them in the mall. So we're gonna say that they get they get trapped at the mall. The mall closes for the night in sixteen candles, and some there's some like very fortuitous situation on how they're the only two people that get trapped in the mall. Mm-hmm. The doors shut at eight, and they're forced to hang out, spend an entire night in the mall together, and that's where they really have their heart to heart connect. Yeah, and at some point they wind up like in the air conditioning system, like shimmying through a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, and then they fall in love that way. Probably, that probably definitely happened. Okay. By should... the way, real quick, just yeah, I just have to point this out because I feel like this is just always a thing in teen movies. The hot guy, like the unattainable guy, coolest popular kid in school, always also rich. Yeah. Like, we've talked about this before, but that's just not a thing, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Just always has a sweet car, always super rich, and I'm just pretty sure in real life, nobody's really aware of everybody's financial situation when it comes to, like, coolness. To, to, to get deep, I, I again think that's a trope because I feel like it's the director giving it through his lens and his life experiences. So I feel like he was the nerd. He came from a family that maybe didn't have a lot of money and he was always looking out at the really rich kids or the really popular kids and always like wanting it and like assuming that, oh, if I only had money or if I only had this, I would be, I'd be cool. I'd be popular. So I really feel like that's the director's own baggage that he's bringing into it. I'm with you. It's my two cents. I feel like you and John Hughes are locked locked in with each other. I like, feel you, like, I feel like I, you guys yeah. are kind of like soulmates connected in some way. I feel like if so I any, was in any 80s, take you have on him, I'm going to jump on board with. Yeah. I just feel like I've connected so deeply with John Hughes. I just feel like we are so tied together. Can I also just give one more fun fact that's a little unrelated? Please. One of the most interesting tidbits that I found fascinating about John Hughes was he was giving this interview about the Breakfast Club. And 
he was someone was asking him like why'd you do a movie about like all these different stereotypes and kids from different social circles and all this coming together and like bonding and connecting and his response was i think you actually the opportunity to connect with strangers is far greater than it actually is with the people that are closest to you in your life interesting and i actually thought that was true because i was like if you have something like really bad that's happening to you, you don't always want to go to like your closest friends or your closest family members or whatever, because you're, it comes with a lot of like judgment, you know, cause they know you so well. So if you fuck up and make a mistake telling your mom about it or whatever is like the worst thing in the world, because you know, it comes with disappointment and judgment and all this shit. If you're sitting there talking with strangers, sometimes it's easier to, because like, you know that it just leaves there. Like there's no judgment. They have no preconceived notions and it kind of just goes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's probably like one of the reasons why this lady that was working at the as a clerk at the gas station in Tennessee on this latest road trip was <laughs> telling us about how like her and her divorced husband still split the insurance and you she know, they, they each the pay shit. for a month and he hasn't <laughs> paid in his last two months. And it's just like, yeah, that's tight. Well, that just seems like someone who's wanting to dish her shit on Danielle. <laughs> but to your different. point, I mean, no judgment here. I was just like, all right, I'll take my... All right, crazy gas station lady. Take my Fuck. energy drink and keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because I'm like, that's a, in, that's a super like insightful... I always thought it was just like about, oh, you get the jock together with the nerdy kid, with the like punk kid or whatever, but it was actually like a deeper take yeah that's nice on life that's why breakfast club that's just a fucking we should classic. do we we got to do that at some point we have to all right let's go to the final scene and we're gonna go to that with the final song Like when I think of the 80s, this is the music that happens in my head. Yeah, so this final scene, um, this is the famous scene that if you've seen 16 Candles, you probably are aware of this. It's that the movie ends with Jake, he like shows up, he picks her up at like a wedding or something, and he takes her back, it's a dark room, and he gives her a cake Mm -hmm. filled with 16 candles. Yeah, he does. And... It's kind of like Jake, the popular guy, is now noticing her. He's like essentially saying he wants to date her. And he's giving her the fucking 16-year-old birthday party that everyone in her life has forgotten about. And then they kiss. Hero move. Love it. I wasn't connected. And it could be because, because we didn't watch, because watch 10 three-minute clips. <laughs> it could be because we didn't actually watch the movie, but I really feel like yeah, I wanted her to get with AMH. Here's the thing. AMH was like a freshman, and she was soft. Like, he was the nerdy kid on the bus. But she was, just was a like, sophomore. He was a freshman. The cool kid was a senior. That's how it works in high school. You think that it's more likely... It is so rare for a girl to date a year down in high school. It's 
True. That's true. That's true. Could you be imagine being a freshman in high school and snagging a sophomore? It's crazy. We'll it's crazy get as shit, dude. We'll get to Sixteen Candles too. How we think that movie shakes out, but how do you think this? Not Sixteen Candles two. Sixteen Candles one point five. Like if they extended this movie by thirty minutes, right? And they just tacked on what what happens in the immediate future after that night where Jake celebrates her sixteen year old birthday. Where does that go? Um, it's probably the, Jake like inevitably fucks up and is like turns out to be not as cool of a guy and um, what's her name Samantha just complains to Ted about like how she wishes there's a good guy out there and Ted was like hey what about me and she's like well I mean not you <laughs> you because like you suck I just but, like I just if there's any guy out there that was like a good guy for me. Like yeah, it's a classic. Like, it's a mouth. What about me? Yeah, it's a mouth and a, a, a Brooke scene. But I feel like if you play it out ten years, they get married. Okay, I'm saying in the immediate sixteen candles, one point five. Jake has sex with her and then never talks to her again. After the birthday cake thing. Yes, he does that. He pulls out all the stops. He does everything he needs to do to have sex with Molly Ringwald. And then he never speaks to her. I think that is the most realistic approach. That's dark, dude. That's life. Damn. <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to say somebody was going to start a Silicon Valley startup. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Now, that was 16 Candles 1.5. Do you have a plot for 16 Candles 2 now? Where would this go if they made a second movie? While you're thinking on it, let me just give a fun fact. Molly Ringwald said that she got a lot of different script options to do a 16 Candles 2. And the closest that she ever came to doing a 16 Candles 2 was a script called 32 Candles. Whoa. So it was essentially a script that she must have got in her 30s, which was the sequel version of it's now all the same characters, mid-30s, go. Should we do that? Yeah, I'm going to steal your uh, idea. Ted. Do it. do it. Silicon Valley startup. Ted is rich. Super rich. Yeah. Ted's There's crushing. only one option for him in a sequel is he's fucking loaded. And that's AMH. That's Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Crush. And we don't know what he looks like at age 32 because like I said, when I Googled it, it was only pictures of him at 16 and 60. So, I'm a, in my version of this, it's a mystery as to what he might look like. So, I'm just going to make him super rich. And then he's blossomed into a very handsome, rich, young 32-year-old man. And he's still got that charm and charisma. So, he's just crushing it. And he's got, like, a supermodel girlfriend. And Molly Ringwald is, like, she's kind of got, like, the stick-in-the-mud personality. So, she's just kind of floundered and it's come to the point where Ted is out of her league and she's trying to work to get Ted and it's like a twist. I'm actually totally on board with this and what you're laying out is exactly the plot of Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Really? Yeah. With Lisa Kudrow. It is exactly the same. (laughs) It's like they go back. It's a high school reunion movie and they go back to high school and the nerdy kid, a.k.a. the Ted, has now invented 
some like rubber product i think he's like i forget what it is but it's similar to like silent velcro in uh, <laughs> garden state. in garden state and he comes in to the high school reunion in a helicopter because he's nice. so rich now that's how i visualize ted like ted now in his 30s they're all back at their high school reunion ted comes in amh in a helicopter and then molly ringwald who's still i'd say she's still just like in the middle in life yeah like, she's I, just in the middle she's got a job that she never you know doesn't really like she's yeah not, she's, yeah and then they see pete is that his name ted <laughs> no who's the cool guy with jake jake <laughs> pete <laughs> he just looks like a pete so they see Jake at the high school reunion and he's like still wearing his letterman jacket and yeah. he just married oh, for sure. He that's why he he had sex with Molly Ringwald when he was a senior, she was a sophomore. Then he just ended up getting married to one of the hot blonde seniors at the time. Mm-hmm. And so now at this high school reunion, Jake is there. He married that girl, that blonde. Now they have a few kids. They're all just hanging out and then what Molly Ringwald went into that reunion thinking, like, I'm going to see this guy and I'm going to get him to fall in love with me. And then when she's there, she realized, no, this isn't the guy for me. That guy's a loser. Jake, a.k.a. Pete, is a fucking loser. I need to be with Ted, who just came in on a fucking helicopter. Right. And Ted, it's not like he's super nice to her, but it's like he's still out of her league at this point. It's not like he's a dick to her, like, oh, you wouldn't, like, bang me in high school. He's just like, oh, it's so good to see you. Yeah, like, we had some good times. All right, see ya. Hey, you know, if you're ever in town, look me up. Maybe we'll grab on. And, like, yeah. just blows her off. Yeah. But, like, in a hard. nice way. And she's like, shit, I need that man. Yeah. I need that man. Yeah. Plays a little hard to get. Gets her going. Like, I remember. It's not I... all about his money. No. I mean, he's super rich and he's hot it, now. But it, he's, he's, he's grown into that charisma that he had as a 14-year-old. Money don't hurt. Might not hurt. <laughs> All right. Who's your MVP? Let's wrap it up. The MVP, and I don't even know her name, is um, Samantha's drunk-ass sister. <laughs> so I don't know if you watched the last clip. No. So this is the hilarious part about not watching this movie. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. <laughs> so I have no idea what the what happened for this to be the case. But in the very beginning, you're... One of the things that's happening in the background is her sister is getting married. Oh, that was her sister at the wedding? Yeah, that's her sister. Oh, okay. Her sister's getting married, and she's a bridesmaid in the wedding. But for whatever reason, her sister is a 10 out of 10 blackout at her own wedding. Yeah, and she's just I saw that. a fucking mess. Uh, what was the setup? Awesome. Why were they all so drunk? I don't know. <laughs> It'll remain a mystery, but she is totally blacked out at her own wedding and just making a scene, and everybody's just kind of loving it. The, the classic wedding music's playing and she's just sloppy on the altar. So you, awesome. you're giving her the MVP because you think like being blacked out at your wedding, which you just had a wedding, that's a power move? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you got a looseness about you, a uh, free spiritness that I really just respect. You really don't give a fuck if you're getting blacked out at your own wedding. Right. You give no fucks. Right. None. Zero fucks. All right, that does it. That does it. 16 Candles, movie breakdown. I think uh, I think it's high time for us to get back into some TV. 
we might be changing up the format a little bit. Maybe not 10 episodes. I think we're going to maybe do like four or five on a TV show now. Just like cut it in half. I think that's about right. Get in, get out. We had such an emotional attachment to the OC and Friday Night Lights and somewhat with One Tree Hill. But now that that's gone, I think we can we can roll off like four or five per TV show so we can just hit more shows. I like the, I like the cold analysis that we brought to this one. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. we didn't even watch the movie. We had no connection to these characters. It was just, took an engine apart and examined it and tried to put it back together. Yeah. I We definitely did that. I don't feel like I connected to the movie, but I really feel like I am connected with John Hughes now. Yeah. Like, I feel super connected to, to John Hughes. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, kids, you got to tuck on in, kids. You got to sleep tight. You got to have a really good night's sleep. And as you're doing that, we're going to tell you, Pat, clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not pictured. Steven and Elsie. Both there. Just not pictured.